everyone. Welcome to the Defiant Podcast. The internet of money is being built with blockchain technology and without banks. We call it DeFi, short for decentralized finance. And this is where you can hear the builders and users of this cutting edge world tell their stories firsthand. I'm your host, Camila Russo. In this week's episode, I speak with John Crane, the co-founder and CEO of SuperRare Labs, one of the top NFT marketplaces. SuperRare wants to differentiate itself by being the NFT platform that best curates art specifically. John believes the natural evolution for NFT platforms will be to specialize in verticals. For example, the interface for art should be different than the one for real estate, domain names, and so on. The team recently launched a token and a DAO, and John explains how the move will be instrumental for SuperRare to scale its curation, as the original team gives up control and other participants propose and vote on what should go on the platform. We talk about the NFT boom more broadly and how John believes NFTs are enabling the first artistic revolution since the internet. And the movement includes changes in form with VR, AI, video and audio, but also in the way people collect with art becoming more democratized. This time around, the revolution is also global for the first time and more open as NFTs, which are becoming the art world's new certificates of authenticity, are all public and with trading history that's open for all to see. Before we get to it, here's a word about our sponsors. The new Kraken app is one of the best places to invest in some of the most popular DeFi assets like Uniswap, Aave, Polkadot tokens, and more. Just download the app and get started in minutes. Plus, you can earn additional rewards through Kraken's industry-leading staking product. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% annually on some of your favorite cryptos. Sign up today at kraken.com defiant or type Kraken in the App Store to learn more. Don't let high gas costs keep you out of Ethereum. At Balancer, you can trade all you want and get most of the gas costs back in your pocket. In their new Bal for Gas campaign, traders are receiving six figures worth of Bal tokens every week. And with V2 just around the corner, Balancer is becoming the one-stop shop for DeFi liquidity. Balancer V2 brings stable pools and weighted pools tightly integrated under a single protocol, flash loans, lending via asset managers, and much more. Check it out at balancer.finance. Ensign provides an easy way to build, scale, and monetize DeFi investment strategies. If high gas prices are shutting you out of DeFi, fear not. Ensign is now running a gas subsidy program. The app makes it easy for investors to pull together on strategies lowering costs. The Ensign interface allows anyone to trade, lend, deposit to AMM pools, farm, stake, and more. It is a non-custodial solution and allows for real-time reporting, security, and transparency. Sign up today on Ensign.finance. Experience DeFi. Deposit, earn, and borrow on Aave. Aave is a decentralized, open-source, and non-custodial liquidity protocol to earn interest on deposits and borrow assets. Deposit and start earning interest in real-time directly in your wallet 
and swap any of your deposited assets at any time to get some of the best deals on the market. Other protocol liquidity pools are now available on Ethereum and on the sidechain Polygon. Head over to app.ave.com to get started today. The Index Co-op is on a mission to make crypto investing simple, accessible, and safe for everyone. They've built the market-leading index products, DPI, the DeFi Pulse Index, MPI, the Metaverse Index, and BED, for one-click crypto exposure. Additionally, their flexible leverage series grants safe 2x exposure to popular crypto assets like ETH or BTC, with low liquidation risk and low cost to maintain your position. To buy or learn more about these products, go to indexcoop.com. All right. Here we are uh, with John Crane, the founder of Super Rare. Uh, John, it's so great to have you in the Define podcast. Absolutely, Camilla. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Okay, so John is co-founder and CEO of Super Rare Labs, one of the top NFT marketplaces. Uh, Super Rare recently launched a token and a DAO, which is a bit different from what other NFT marketplaces are doing. So I'm super excited to get into all of that and more. But to start, uh, I just love to just learn more about you, um, your background, uh, what were you doing pre-crypto, what led you to crypto, uh, and then what led you to found Super Rare? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll try to keep it a little bit short because it's a very meandering path. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was actually studying uh, civil engineering and architecture in college. And that's when I learned about uh, processing, which is a programming language for, um, you know, it's kind of like designed to help artists learn to code. And I was a big doodler. So I started like playing around and kind of like teaching myself to code and just got like, very excited, just kind of like slowly started falling down, you know, that rabbit hole, like making websites and things and decided I was actually not going to go into uh, architecture. And so moved to New York, worked in advertising. And while I was in New York, um, I was going to a lot of different meetups. And one of those meetups I found was the New York Bitcoin meetup, uh, which was very exciting. I had been like kind of reading about Bitcoin online a little bit, but was still like really confused. Um, I think I remember like getting there to the meetup and the first question I asked, like, what exactly is the hash rate? Like I keep reading about it, but like, I'm just not sure what this is. That's and... totally valid question to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had been like reading, I like, had read so many blogs and was I felt like I was just getting like more confused after each blog post I read. Mm. Um, so, but that was just like, you know, kind of like every day was just falling more and more down the crypto rabbit hole. And that was right around the time that uh, the counterparty protocol had launched. So I was like kind of interested in like colored coins and like thinking about like, you know, like I was very excited about the idea of sound money, but also like, okay, how could we take this idea of like native internet value transfer and also like bring it into consumer web experiences and, you know, just hanging out at, like with as part of the meetup, eventually I saw the Ethereum, uh, you know, the work happening on Ethereum, which I was like actually very skeptical about at first. Um, but then once the network launched, I started like experimenting with Solidity and smart contracts in general and just got super excited. And so I went to go work with at the time I was working at actually like an eyewear startup 
um, but left to go work with Consensus uh, in Bushwick and was with them for about two years, did, doing a whole bunch of different things, um, focused on one of their spokes called Block Apps, which was kind of like enterprise Ethereum. And that was really interesting. Like I did a lot of like, you know, I don't know, kind of like education, I guess, with some of these bigger companies that were trying to figure out like, what are blockchains good at? What are they not good at? You know, there there's a lot of things they're not good at. You know, a very small set of things that you should do with a blockchain. Um, and that was all really interesting, but like kind of in the back of my mind, I was still thinking about like, you know, for me, what's exciting about Web3 is just like how this is going to impact like internet business models. So thinking about like, so many of the social platforms have like advertising like built into the core. And so what does it look like if you have products that don't need to rely on advertising? And so when I saw NFTs, I got really excited just thinking about all of the things, like all these digital objects that exist that do have unique identifiers. And like maybe this standard was a way to kind of like start to bridge like the consumer web we all know and love with crypto and kind of like build something a little bit better. Oh, that's interesting. So was your first kind of take on NFTs um, a way to reduce ads in the way that we just consume the internet? I mean, coming from an ads background yourself, like that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I get, I was just wondering like, like sort of like intellectual curiosity, like what would it look like if this wasn't the business model? And so like early on, we were like, when we were like discussing just like super rare and NFTs, it was like, okay, well, what if YouTube, like you could just have owners of videos. So there's like the person who created the video still, you can still see that, but then like, what if you could sell it? Like do the views now count towards the owner or like how, you know, like how do these mechanics work? And like, could it be this like, you know, cause that's still kind of like internet real estate. Like if on the main page that's getting like a hundred thousand hits a day, it says your name that, you know, like that's definitely worth something. So like, anyway, yeah, it was uh, just sort of an interesting exploration. Still unsolved. I mean, I, I yeah, at some <laughs> yeah. other point, I'd love your, your thoughts about kind of media and, and NFTs. Um, but okay. So how did that lead to super rare? Yeah, so that was kind of like back, like I was saying, in college, I was super interested in processing, which is this like generative art programming language. And uh, being in New York, uh, it was kind of like on the periphery of the art scene. So I had friends who were really trying to make it as artists. And I had a friend who ran a gallery. So she would come to New York for a lot of the different art fairs that I would go to. And I just found it interesting, like all the art I was really interested in was like, you know, had GitHub repos and it was like purely digital. And then it'd go to these like super fancy art fairs. And it's, you know, nothing against like sculpture, or like oil on canvas, but it was just like, to me, there's all this interesting creativity happening, mostly on the internet, but there was no market for it. And so Wait, when I saw there's, NFT, there's, um, oh. Sorry, I just didn't know this. There's art with like GitHub repos on like non like NFT art. Well, so before NFTs, like people would still create this type of art, just they weren't really selling it. And that was kind of like, mm. a, like, I would even make this art and be like, could you like sell someone a GitHub repo? Like, that's kind of weird. Like, I, you know, like where this interesting question around, like, 
is that art collectible? Like, what does patronage look like for digital artists? And oh, so, cool. yeah. So then when I saw NFTs, I was like, oh, wow, this is like an extremely simple solution. It fits this problem really well. Like, I myself have, like, wondered if I could sell a piece of digital art or anything. And, um, you know, there what there is in contemporary art, like a, a market for digital art, just, it's kind of like a smaller subset. And so like mm-hmm. my sort of like hypothesis is like, well, in the next 20 years, there's going to be more digital art, not less of it created. And so like, if I think eventually that end of the market becomes much larger. So uh, is, is the issue with digital art um, without NFTs, is it that it's, it's, it's harder to, have it maintain its its scarcity. I mean, the, the fact that it's digital um, means that it can be infinitely reproduced because, you know, it's just like ones and zeros. Um, and and so that that means it's, you know, it it would be harder for the artists to monetize uh, their work and, and, and have it be something unique that somebody can own. But NFTs now obviously kind of change that. And, and so is, is that kind of like the key thing that, that needed to happen uh, for digital art to really start to take off? Yeah, I think so. Like, I like to think about the NFT as sort of like a certificate of authenticity. So it's like, you know, it can be created by the artist. It has like a digital signature, like essentially built into it. Um, you can see how old it is. Whereas like, that's something like a JPEG, like, if you're technically capable, you can just go edit the metadata. So you could say like, oh, this file was created in 1972. And there's not like, you know, it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, whereas like with an NFT, the, that kind of like that, the extra context for the piece of art, um, you could act, you can just kind of embed. So, yeah, I okay. think like that's kind of like the game changing thing. You now have this bearer asset basically that says, you know, the artist who created this says that I'm the owner because I have this NFT. Perfect. Okay, so um, so Super Rare was born as a platform to buy and sell these uh, like these art pieces attached to these certificates of ownership, which are NFTs. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Got it. Um, okay, so like, what year was this? How? What was the kind of I- initial, um, like, the initial days of super rare, super rare, like? Sure. So I think we started working on the early prototypes kind of late 2017, and then launched uh, April 2018. So you know, launched right into uh, crypto winter. It was an exciting time to launch a new product. Oh, my God. And what was that like? Uh, I mean, if if you can maybe draw a parallel between, um, you know, being running an NFT marketplace in 2018 versus now. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, it was very interesting, right? Like, I think, like, today you look at the market and people are raising, like, you know, $10 million with, like, an idea and a pitch deck, whereas, like, in 2018, we had like a live product, you know, we're, we were making sales, like, you know, it wasn't like significant amounts of money, but it was still like totally working. Um, but yeah, it was essentially completely impossible to raise money at the time. Uh, so it was very different, you know, it was, wow. but it was also like, 
kind of like tight knit, right? Like the people who mm-hmm. like would join the telegram, uh, you know, is it like a close knit family almost? Um, at, at the time, like I, maybe like, maybe I wasn't like really involved in the NFT world, but I don't, I don't remember it being like NFTs having like, like such a huge community. Like, I, I don't know that they're even like within crypto, that people kind of understood what NFTs were. Uh, do, do you think that's right? Like, uh, like yeah. did, are people like just now starting to realize kind of the potential for this? Yeah, I think that's like exactly spot on. Like the er- really early NFT enthusiasts, like we're more like crypto dabblers. So it's like kind of weird art people who are also technologists. So kind of like, had some interest in crypto, were also interested in art or like the artists. Some of them are just folks that like, you know, we would reach out to and say like, hey, we have this, you know, this new website, like, do you want to try it? And it was definitely not like the huge crypto whales. Like I think early on people Mm -hmm. were just like, ah, that's, you know, that's ridiculous. It's too simple. Like it's just not going to work. And, and I think also like, it was like the crypto kitties like initial hype wave and so like people were like uh like digital cats it's a fad like it's not actually going to be a thing um so there's more i don't know kind of like the artists or like tinkerers who are like really interested in nfts kind of early on got it and i guess like that community stayed and then grew over time uh until now where it's just like an explosion like how how did you see that kind of evolution in terms of just like yeah. users and artists on Super Rare. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was basically slow, steady growth until almost about like exactly a year ago. I think that's when like we really started to see numbers starting to jump. And so for mm-hmm. us, it was like, there were a couple artists who I had just been following on Instagram for a long time. And then like a couple of them applied, like one of them specifically this guy algomistic who does pretty interesting kind of 3d work and i was just like no fucking way like this is crazy like i've been following this guy on instagram for like you know four years uh that's incredible um you know because like the first two years we would like i would like pitch artists and they were like i don't really know what you're talking about like it sounds like a scam like i heard people get their money stolen with bitcoin and you're like that's not exactly what i'm you know so um, it was like the artists who were interested, like, you know, it was like, you know, much more household names, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then on the collector side, just a lot of the early collectors would like, you know, say hi and poke around and like join the discord or the telegram at the time. And then we just started seeing like, kind of like random whales who was like, what well, do you know who this is? Like, I don't know who this is. Like, do you know who this is? And like nobody <laughs> on the team knew who these collectors were. So that was also very exciting. Oh, nice. So what do you think sparked this uh, recent boom in NFTs? Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it has to do with just like general crypto sentiment. Like, I Mm -hmm. think like a couple of years ago, it was like, you know, everything crypto was dead again. Um, And then you know, with like the resurgence of like DeFi or like DeFi really making a name for itself and kind of like proving like, here's something, you know, like 
Ethereum is more than just ICOs. Like, look, here are these like different lending protocols. Um, people started to like take it a little bit more seriously. And then it kind of compounded like the success in DeFi helped. Pe- I think it helped people like reimagine like the different NFT use cases. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, two years later, a lot of infrastructure had been built. Um, so there was just kind of like, you know, a confluence of events that was sort of like the right time. Um, okay, so you you mentioned, or, or I, I saw this written on, on one of Super Rare's latest uh, posts, and I was hoping you could expand on this because I, I thought it was super interesting. So you wrote, unlike past artistic revolutions, this one affects more than the medium or style. It's a revolution of both form and function, curation and collection. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, there's a bunch of different reasons. So one, I, you know, it, I think it's very interesting is just like, if you think about NFTs, they can be like many different mediums. So it's like AR, VR, we have like video, audio, um, you know, like, so there's like the form itself is super interesting. And then you're also seeing like, that take it like manifesting in how people collect, which I think is super interesting as well. So it's sort of like a new breed of collector. Um, and I think that also ties into the fact that it's like totally global, right? I think like previous mm-hmm. art movements were almost like geographically isolated. So it's like, you know, like has something happening in London and then like New York or like, you know, in Mexico city, whereas like this is sort of like happening all together. So it's like, just sort of an art revolution that we haven't really seen with so many things happening all at once. So it's like many different mediums taking place, like a new model for patronage essentially. And I think it's, I mean, it's the first artistic revolution that's happened while we've had the internet. So it's like um, really, I think more interesting in a lot of ways. And then kind of like to top it all off, there's this, open data set being generated about the art that we've also never had kind of like, I mean, because of the internet, but like with NFTs, like all of these certificates of authenticity, if that's how you want to think about them, they're all like on Ethereum or like some layer one or a side chain, but it's still public data. Whereas like, if you look at contemporary art markets, all, most of the good data is proprietary and you need like a subscription to access it it's not heavily advertised. It's sort of this like, I don't know, dirty secret that like people are really looking at the pricing data, even though all the serious collectors use it, all the serious galleries use it, but it's kind of like happening, you know, behind the scenes almost. And so I think there's just so many different pieces that are different this time around. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. An art revolution, um, in kind of the age of the internet uh, and like having just blockchain tech injected into it is just like supercharging uh, the art world, I guess. Um, yeah. And okay, so like about Superware specifically, there are um, a, a handful of other uh, NFT platforms. Um, what's kind of special about Superware? Like, where do you see it at, like, having, I don't know if an edge, but like, how does it differentiate? Yeah. So I think, I mean, with Super Rare, like we were one of the first 
platforms to specialize. So I think like, um, you know, like really wanted to build a place dedicated to art. Um, also kind of like early on decided that we felt like it should be curated to some extent and not just like an open platform where, um, like people could post anything or anyone could post. Um, which I think is like, you know, sort of counterintuitive. If you think about how, like a lot of like web two platforms, it was just like, just get the most users and the most content, and then you're going to win. Um, I don't necessarily think that's that same model works for art specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we've really thought a lot about how the art should be viewed or consumed or whatever, however you want to like phrase it, but like thinking about like, the interface almost should like get out of the way and like, just be like really let the art speak for itself. So it's kind of like really bled into the brand and like the design of the platform itself, just thinking through like, okay, from start to finish, like how does this experience work for a collector? And like, how does it work for an artist? And like really trying to build the right tool set for an art ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think like, you know, there's a lot of discussion around NFTs and they're like super exciting because they can be anything. It's like video game items and virtual land and all these different things, um, which are all exciting. Like, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. I think they're all really exciting use cases. Just like, I think kind of long-term we're going to end up with almost like vertical specific experiences. Cause you kind of want the UX to be a little bit more different. Like if you're shopping for virtual land you kind of need different context mm-hmm. about the asset than you do if you're buying a domain name, for example. Totally. Um, super interesting. Okay. And then I guess, uh, like, I guess one, one huge difference uh, is the, your token and DAO, like not, not many platforms are doing this. So um, why did you decide to issue a token? Like what's the reasoning behind this? And if you can kind of, explain how uh, the token works and how the DAO works and um, how, you know, how this can, uh, I don't know, what what does that have to do with just like art and how, how can that uh, make the experience better for artists and collectors? Yeah, sure. So yeah, we recently announced kind of like Super 2.0 and part of that announcement was the airdrop of the rare token. Um, you know, we're, you know, myself and my co-founders have like, you know, early on, we're just very excited about decentralization generally, like, it, you know, like Super Rare is non-custodial, you know, it always has been. And so I think that's really been a core part of like what we wanted to do is kind of like build with an experiment with these, you know, the, these crypto primitives, uh, one of those being, you know, like having a token for the community. And at the same time, you know, thinking about like kind of what's made super special to date is the thought that went into the curation. And so like, could you build sort of like a simple but effective curation system, uh, you know, that got the community involved um, so we could potentially like scale up, right? Like super in like the previous state was kind of limited to the number of applications our team could review. You know, they're also limited by their own kind of like internal biases or opinions about what's good, what's not good. And so 
released, we released the super, to- like the rare token. And the idea being that like, we'll be able to kind of like harvest the whole, like the hive mind and get it involved. It's so, like the genius for curation from everyone versus like just our own opinion and kind of like how it's actually going to work. So we announced uh, what we're calling super rare spaces, which are essentially independently curated parts of super rare. And, you know, one analogy might be like a subreddit where it's like, you know, that's curated content, you know, built around one core theme. And so these spaces within super rare could be, you know, potentially a DAO, it could be an art collective, it could be an individual gallerist, it could be a gallery. Um, that's kind of like open to what rare token holders want to see. And they'll be voted in on a bi-weekly cadence uh, by the token holders. Okay, so spaces are, uh, I guess, like, are they collections of art? So, yeah, good question. So the (laughs) space, like, space operators will be able to whitelist their own artists. And so you could, like, they'll be, like, it's kind of like open-ended collections. So it's almost Mm. like... Uh, like an independently operated, like basically taking all the tools that we've built and mm-hmm. sort of like letting a person or a team kind of use them how they want. So they can have, you know, whichever artist they want uh, kind of like minting in their space. They can like run their own drops, mm-hmm. um, show off whatever art they want to show off. Uh, so, it's, yeah. Okay, so it's more akin to a gallery, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we're kind of thinking about them like, like, you know, small galleries with or like mm. you know, spaces within Super Rare. Okay, and then Rare tokens are the ones who um, can kind of curate these spaces. Like they they vote on uh, what what spaces get approved on on Super Rare and what artists um, are able to uh, show their work on on these spaces. Uh, so it's just the form. So it's just approving the ne- the new space operators. So basically, mm-hmm. we kind of like looked at a bunch of the different kind of like governance mechanisms that were out there and settled on like, okay, people will submit a proposal for how they want to run a space. Um, and then we'll give token holders the opportunity to vote on a new one. And so that like basically the space operator has like, full curatorial discretion uh, once see. it's been on onboarded. Yep. Okay. Okay. So rare tokens um, decide on who the gallerists are and then the gallerists then have like full, like free reign on whatever goes in their gallery. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, and so can, is, can anyone who owns like rare tokens participate or is there like a certain threshold that you need to meet? Like, uh, I don't know, like any like participation requirements or anything like that? Um, so yeah, anyone who holds the rare tokens can participate. Uh, kind of like the first iteration or like how it's structured now. Uh, there is like the, the rare foundation has a council and those folks will kind of review proposals. And once they make it past review, then they're up for a vote. And so anyone who has tokens can uh, participate in those votes. 
And then we're also experimenting with kind of like different delegation mechanisms to see, you know, what else might be interesting there. But um, yeah, yeah, to start, it's uh, one token, one vote. Cool. And can anyone make a proposal? Yeah, anyone can make a proposal. Okay. Uh, why, why did you decide it was necessary to have this kind of additional council overseeing yeah. proposals? Yeah, no, it's it's a really good question. I mean, like, I think the more we dug into governance, like, one of the things, you know, we want it, like, like, you know, we've talked about, like, the space is blowing up right now. There's like, it's super competitive. So we like, mm-hmm. one of the balance is kind of like, okay, we really do want to like, pursue this path of decentralization, but at the same time, like, you know, want to be able to ship features quickly. And, you know, I don't know, I'm sure you have seen some various like community, right? Like communities can kind of get bogged down and like, well, what is governance? And like, can what can people do? So like, we really wanted mm-hmm. to make it a very specific use case and kind of like, you know, learn with, you know, like we're community members as well. Like we're all learning here, right? So it's like, make it as simple as possible. And so by having the council, we wanted to like keep the bar high. So it's like, you know, you still have like, we didn't want like half-baked proposals where it's like, okay, vote on these mm-hmm. 3,000 proposals, you know, 1,000 of which weren't even real attempts at actually wanting to do this. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like mm-hmm. a filtering mechanism um, to make the voting more effective is the idea. Okay. But I guess like if you, if the reason for having a token was to scale this quickly and, and not have that kind of bottleneck of your team having to go through uh, what what gets put on super rare then this council would need to like not is it like um like not as thorough review because otherwise you'll end up with like the same bottleneck right or is it well, just like I'm, okay this meets like the specification and that's it or th- does it like go through kind of the like the content it's, it's more about meeting the specification yeah so it's mm. like well, did they fill everything out and then i think the other thing to think about is like right now there's just one curatorial team so like with each space that's added it's sort of like exponential growth in the amount of curation happening because mm. they can all whitelist as many artists as oh, they I want see. Right. so like the second one is already going to double the curation capacity and like mm. so each one you know, it'll be uh anyway that's the idea we'll, we'll see how it works but okay no yeah that makes sense um have you have, like i don't know like i i'm, I'm sure there's like Tons of people thinking about um, uh, how how to game these systems, you know, like um, because like w- whenever you have like a token vote and like a token holders deciding things, there is an opportunity of getting to a situation where it's like a uh, like a pay to play thing, where it's like okay, whoever has the most tokens uh, can get on the platform. Um, I don't know, like what are you thinking around that to make sure that you're actually kind of uh like valuable or or like uh, talented artists are the ones who are getting in not the ones who somehow uh were able to kind of amass a, a big amount of tokens and and vote themselves in or vote a friend in or i don't know I, i'm sure there's like tons of like game theory and and like governance <laughs> attacks <laughs> yeah no on. absolutely um yeah, I mean, like, we've talked a lot about, like, I think, you know, the stuff Gitcoin's doing with the quadratic voting mm-hmm. is really interesting. Um, I think, 
I mean, like for us, it like just as a team, like really the whole ethos is always like, if you look at the first version of super rare, like it was not very pretty. It was just like, okay, let's get mm-hmm. something live that works and have someone use it and like, see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like one of the nice things about this type of voting is it's not like, you know, we've had like a billion dollars of like, you know, tokens locked up in a lending protocol and like, you know, like, uh, someone recently asked if, like, what I thought about, like, you know, someone taking out a flash loan to, like, attack the the curation governance. Right, um, yeah. Which, which might be kind of interesting. You're like, well, if yeah. someone really wanted to launch a space, they, they went to a lot of work here. Um, mm. So I think, I mean, like, my general thought is that it'll be iterative, right? Like, I mm-hmm. don't really think we're going to get it absolutely right at first. But I think, like, our main goals were, like, okay... We want to get the community more involved. We want to open up curation so it's not just our team. And but we also want to kind of like maintain a high bar. Like, you know, we talked mm-hmm. about like invite systems, but then it's like you're just kind of like potentially just giving your friend an invite. And so like mm-hmm. I don't know, this was sort of like the simplest model that we settled on. But uh yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see how the game theory works out after the first couple of votes. I don't know I can uh yeah you know in about a month yeah (laughs) but i do think just i think we'll probably have high voter turnout just because it's a pretty fun thing to be voting on so i mean like Mm. i could be wrong but like if you think about you know i don't know like a a protocol like maker which i think is super interesting and like for me personally like as somebody who loves like you know, the ethos behind it, I, I think die is like an amazing product. I've never voted in a, in a maker governance vote. Um, mm-hmm. But I do th- like, I think already we're seeing like, if you just look at the discord, like there's a ton of interesting spaces that are, people are kind of like brainstorming, um, you know, how they want them to work. So it'll be interesting to see. Very cool. Um, can you give me a sense of activity on super rare? Like, um, daily or monthly active users volume and if that's changed at all after the token yeah so the number of i guess like so one thing we kind of differentiate between users and collectors so the Mm -hmm. number of users on the platform is actually super high like people who are like browsing art or like checking out the activity feed every day um so we have about three hundred thousand people like who are like looking at art on super rare every day um every day two hundred thousand. like yeah looking at art wow um it's really cool. but then the number of collectors is obviously significantly lower so i think uh, the active number of collector addresses uh, right now is about 3500 and then mm-hmm. of those it's like maybe a couple hundred uh, but we, what we define as an active collector a day. So that's like somebody making a bid or, so it doesn't necessarily mean they were successful, just like some kind of like intent, uh, to collect. And, um, yeah, we just recently hit a hundred million dollars in kind of like lifetime volume. And I think are on track to do about 30 million this month. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's crazy. A hundred million lifetimes. So since you launched in 2018 and this month you've already done 
like just August, right? Like uh, in yeah. August, you've done thirty percent of all of your like historical volume. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And then the in March, we also that was the first time we got close to thirty million. So there's two months that have roughly like sixty uh, percent of the lifetime volume. So it's yeah, it's uh, oh wow, fascinating. Picking up so so quickly. Um, okay, and then um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, kind of the the new like super rare V two or two point uh, is the like the share that uh, the super rare team is taking from from sales. So um, and correct me if I have uh, this uh, these numbers wrong, but super rare team used to take eighteen percent of primary sales and two percent of secondary sales, but now all of that it goes to a community treasury overseen by rare tokens. So uh, the super rare team is not taking anything uh, from like primary or secondary market sales. Yep, that's correct. Uh, so this this so. is pretty kind of mind blowing, <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, why, I mean, why did you decide to, to structure sales this way? And I guess the main question is how, how do you make sure that the team is incentivized in the long term to continue building the project? Or is it kind of the idea that you guys will kind of gradually fade out and token holders will build it out or yeah, what's kind of the thinking behind this? Yeah, so it, it was certainly a big decision. We, we talked about like a bunch of different models. It seemed like, you know, the there was general sentiment on the team that like we think, you know, tokenized communities are super powerful. It's definitely, you know, like DAOs are incredible. It is really early, but like if you don't, you know, if you don't start, you know, dog fooding, basically, it never gets built. And so we thought we were in a really good position to be, uh, you know, early to the game, but also be very serious and like, you know, would successfully, um, could successfully make this transition. Um, it, yeah, and so I guess like the idea with Super is like, you know, we'll continue to, so Super Labs uh, got a, you know, token allocation as the founding team. So everybody on the team, uh, is also, you know, a member of the DAO and a rare token holder. Um, so kind of an aligning incentives there. And then, you know, we might also you know, try to to run a space or something in the future. I think that's like, mm. you know, like if you look at these spaces, like, and if you think about a network, like each of these node operators um, can like, right, they have the ability to curate and also potentially um, kind of accrue their own fees while still... Uh, you know, sending fees uh, back to the DAO. I see. Okay. So the like super rare labs got, what was it? Like 15% of like the token allocation or? Uh, so super like rare labs team members got about uh, 25%. Okay. 25%. So um, that like definitely allows, uh, aligns you with like just having super rare succeed but it means that for you to just have like kind of recurring revenue as a team, you would have to do something like like a, like a, your own spaces to to have kind of that like fees from from sales. Yep. Yeah. So um, I mean, like we have a pretty healthy kind of like 
runway from, you know, like as it is, but uh, yeah, mm -hmm. the, the idea is to really, I mean, like, you know, like we're launching this DAO and this network and like have become just, you know, a member of it versus the, you know, the complete operator of it. Got it. Um, and have you raised any kind of venture uh, capital or is kind of all like your runway from this token sale? Uh, yeah, so we actually, so yeah, we, there was just the airdrop. Um, so we, mm -hmm. we didn't do a token sale. So we raised, oh, right. uh, an equity, Super Over Labs raised an equity round, uh, in March. Okay. Um, okay. And then th that's, that's so interesting, but still like, I, I get like this, like recurring revenue will come from spaces. Um, but is, is the idea that super rare labs will continue to be kind of the main developers of the, like the underlying platform itself? Or do you expect that will come from like, I don't know, the, the community somehow? So I, I think for the next probably couple of years, we'll be the primary developers. But the idea is to eventually, yeah, like open it up and uh, like allow other teams to uh, like to build out different tool sets. Okay. It's such an interesting model. I'm, I mean, the whole thing, just like, you know, having uh, token holders curate uh, these art galleries, um, having kind of the, the team not take anything, uh, like not take any fees at all. Um, I, yeah, it will be interesting to see how like everything plays out. It's like in, in, in like all these podcasts, it's like uh, like one new business model, like remaking their industry after another. It's <laughs> it's it's an amazing time to be to be alive, I guess, and and covering. Yeah, I mean, it must be fascinating for you. I mean, we it's been interesting, for, like because I felt like we're sort of like a hybrid, uh, like in one component, we're a consumer app, but then also there is like a more low level, you know, thing that looks like a protocol, right? It's like a set of smart contracts mm -hmm. that are standard. Uh, you like technically the auction house smart contract that we use, like anyone could use, right? It's just sitting mm -hmm. there. It doesn't really care what NFTs it's selling. Um, so they are these kind of modular components. And so that's another part where like, I'm excited about the path we're going down. Cause I do think other people could find a lot of these like smart contract tools that um, have been built over the past couple of years, uh, useful and valuable. So I'm curious to see, like what that looks like, you know, two years from now as well. Very cool. Um, okay, and then I want to ask you about uh, this aspect of, of your your model, um, which you know you you highlighted early in the conversation. It's about art, like su super uh, focuses on on art, and I think as such has maintained um, this uh, this focus on kind of one of one. Uh, uh, pieces as opposed to what's become really popular now, these avatar collections um, where, you know, like, I guess like the, the, the most famous one is CryptoPunks and then like a bunch of other uh, like animal themed ones that are, are popping up every day um, where the like basic idea is um, team sell or like designers or developers, whatever, sell a 10,000 or like a set of, 
of NFTs, um, and they are each kind of slightly different. Uh, they're kind of automatically generated uh, with a set of traits, which give them each like a specific scarcity or rarity. Um, and, you know, people are kind of going crazy all over these drops. And um, so that certainly kind of has struck a nerve, like people are loving these things. And it seems like one of one art has taken a backseat or isn't as much in the spotlight at the moment. So how do you see kind of this space, just like this unique artworks that are just for a kind of the sake of art because they're beautiful or interesting or because you know you like the the artist not because you want to show off necessarily or like use as an avatar but because you like art um how do you see this uh space uh like evolving yeah i mean i think the avatars are super interesting like you know with crypto punks i don't i don't think they like even knew that they would be avatars. That was sort of just like emergent behavior from yeah. people, which is you know so cool. Um, and what I love about the avatar projects is they are still like each one is unique. Like I think a big part of just like our general opinion was that like multi edition is less interesting. Like I think something like fractionalizing mm -hmm. a one of one is more interesting than like an edition of a hundred of the same piece of art. Um, and so. Yeah, I mean, there, there's been a lot of interest from community members like around avatars. And so I think like I could see avatar smart contracts kind of being like one of the tool sets that are available to space operators. Mm. OK, so so you I mean, you want Super to kind of uh, start focusing or, or like, I mean, I guess like it's up up to the, the space operators, what kinds of projects they they have on, on, on their gallery. But so you, you're not seeing super rare focusing so much on one of one art, like it, it could very like just as well offer um, avatar collections. Yeah. And um, yeah, exactly. So I think like, mm -hmm. I mean, I think the one of ones will still be kind of like the primary uh, focus. And like, I think the avatar is like, you know, they're like, they're kind of like a hybrid of an edition and a one of one almost. Um, mm. But you know, still uh, many of them are like very, very artistic in nature. So I think like, you know, it's like, we don't really know what the art of the future is going to look like. Uh, I mm -hmm. think the one of one is, was super helpful for like early on kind of getting people to understand, right. It's like, it's just like a painting except for it's digital. Like, you know, like it was mm -hmm. an easy metaphor for people to kind of wrap their minds around. Um, but I, I, you know, like a big part of launching the rare token was saying like, you know, we've taken this very far, like with the community and now kind of want the community to get more involved. Um, so I would say, you know, we are very excited about, you know, continuing to expand the platform. Very cool. Oh, and, and that reminds me, I, I didn't uh, follow up on, on the question on activity. So did the token have any impact on, well, I guess you, you sort of did. You said like, last month was 30% of your volume. So, but do you think that was like because of the token or it's hard uh, to I say, mean, I, I guess. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, like August has been, you know, like we thought March and February were crazy. And then August, mm -hmm. I think like, you know, has far surpassed uh, even those months. Um, so there was kind of like a general trend already of like more collectors each day. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I'd say, like, overall, like, I think there was a positive effect. Like, you know, uh, for us, like, we kind of always knew we were, like, wanted to, uh, you know, be part of this, like, decentralize the platform. Um, but I think a lot of the people in the community didn't necessarily realize that. So there mm-hmm. were definitely, like, you know, some some sleeper accounts who were reawakened when they when they got the airdrop. Nice. So what um what have you what, what did you learn from from just like this token airdrop and uh, like decentralizing your project so far and um what would you say to other teams who are thinking of going this way? Yeah, so I mean one thing I think you know, I, or I don't, I don't know if people actually think, that, but it seems like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, like governance tokens, like they're so straightforward. There's this like model that works. And when you start like digging in, I think you realize that like, oh, the model like kind of works, you know, like there's a lot to figure out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's I think there's a lot of like great examples and a lot of really strong teams experimenting, um, but it's still really experimental. And I think we... I think it was a good move to really try to limit the token use case initially. Uh, so it doesn't just become too, like, if it can do anything, it's, you know, it's like, if you're sort of good at a lot of things or really good at one thing, like, you know, it's like, it could be overwhelming trying to look, get good at all these different things all at once. Um, so mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend trying to focus on like the one use case that you think having a token would really be great for. Um, and, and yeah, like don't take the decision lightly. Like it's, you know, it's a lot of work. It's like for, in my mind, governance is almost like a completely new product that, uh, is Mm -hmm. now, you know, going to be maintained along with like the smart contracts along with the marketplace. Um, so it's, uh, it's really exciting, but there's like, there's a lot to kind of like, like each layer of the onion just unveil, unveils more. And so mm. um, definitely think about it. Um, but then I would also say like the response has been incredible. I think like I personally kind of like underestimated how excited uh, the community would be. And so I think it is a very, you know, in crypto, we love to talk about aligning incentives and the power of incentives. And I've just been like, overwhelmed at the positive response from artists and collectors uh with the airdrop and so um can can say now that i have firsthand experienced uh you know how powerful it can be very cool so incentives are definitely powerful but it does take a lot of work i guess like from kind of the outside you you would i mean a simplistic view would be like you're outsourcing governance to your like to the community so maybe you have less work but in reality, you still have to kind of lead that or manage that or make sure everything is working right. So I guess, like you said, it's like another yet another product that you need to worry about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think like, you know, our community is like there. I mean, certainly there's a lot of people who are like deep in crypto and like very experienced with DeFi, but also a lot of people who aren't. So like, I think mm-hmm. that was also a surprise, like, um, you know, if for people who have kind of more consumer facing apps, I wouldn't expect that, you know, lots of your community members have been 
you know, following the recent governance drama from whatever, you know, project or something, you know, like, I think um, it was a new idea to a lot of people as well. Very cool. Um, well, for all, all the newbies in your platform, you got to uh, lead them to the Defiant if you want to keep up to, with all the news, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the Defiant uh -huh. is the absolute best. Everyone Yay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, okay. So to, to wrap up, I'd love to hear just like your long-term vision um, on NFTs. Like where do you see this space going in, I don't know, 10 years from now, like what will people be using this technology for? Yeah. 10 years from now. I mean, I think, I mean, I think one thing that's interesting, I think we're seeing NFTs, bringing kind of art and culture back into like the mainstream consciousness. Like I feel like art was something that like happens far away, happens in museums and galleries. And like, you know, even if people can say like whether or not they love or hate the avatars, like they're very cool. People are getting excited about visual art. And like, I, so I think that's really interesting. So I think it's going to bring uh, like art, uh, more like it'll be make art like a more ubiquitous part of people's everyday lives like i think about you know ar face filters right like i think pretty much all anything that mm. can have an nft backing it well it sort of like turns it into historical artifact um so i think that's pretty fascinating and i mean i think generally i'm like bullish on this concept of the metaverse but i also think it's kind of like a like a spectrum where it's like Twitter is part of the metaverse and like, you know, zoom face filters are also part, like, it's just this like augmentation of reality. And you can kind of like go as deep as you want. Like you don't have to be living inside of like an actually, you know, fake universe to be sort of dipping your toes in. And I think all of those artifacts are going to have some kind of NFT uh, backing them. Hmm. So. Anyway, so I don't like, know if, that if it's your digital, yeah. yeah, if it's digital, it'll be NFT level, I guess. Ex exactly. <laughs> if it's digital and it needs a unique ID. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, and then just on on the like very short term, what um, what's kind of exciting that's coming up for Super Rare? Yeah, so we're launching the so we're kicking off governance now and like getting the proposal templates in order. We'll be launching the first space in October. So mm -hmm. super excited about that. Uh, we are also uh, working on a mobile app. So soon we'll be asking for people who want to be beta testers. So if anyone's interested, feel free to slide into the Discord or into my DMs. Let me know. And... Yeah, and just kind of like continuing to expand the tool set. I think like, you know, there was a big push getting the token out the door and launched. And there's a bunch of you know, like tooling and other features that um, are going to be quick to follow. So just kind of like general improvements and um, yeah, just stay tuned for lots to come. Awesome. This was super interesting, John. Thank you so much again for joining me. Absolutely, Camilla. Thanks so much for having me on. And before we close, here's another word about our awesome sponsors. 
The Index Co-op is on a mission to make crypto investing simple, accessible, and safe for everyone. They've built the market-leading index products, DPI, the DeFi Pulse Index, MPI, the Metaverse Index, and BED, for one-click crypto exposure. Additionally, their flexible leverage series grants safe 2x exposure to popular crypto assets like ETH or BTC, with low liquidation risk and low cost to maintain your position. To buy or learn more about these products, go to indexcoop.com. Experience DeFi. Deposit, earn, and borrow on Aave. Aave is a decentralized, open-source, and non-custodial liquidity protocol to earn interest on deposits and borrow assets. Deposit and start earning interest in real-time directly in your wallet, and swap any of your deposited assets at any time to get some of the best deals on the market. Aave protocol liquidity pools are now available on Ethereum and on the sidechain Polygon. Head over to app.ave.com to get started today. Don't let high gas costs keep you out of Ethereum. At Balancer, you can trade all you want and get most of the gas costs back in your pocket. In their new Bal for Gas campaign, traders are receiving six figures worth of Bal tokens every week. And with V2 just around the corner, Balancer is becoming the one-stop shop for DeFi liquidity. Balancer V2 brings stable pools and weighted pools tightly integrated under a single protocol, flash loans lending via asset managers, and much more. Check it out at balancer.finance. Ensign provides an easy way to build, scale, and monetize DeFi investment strategies. If high gas prices are shutting you out of DeFi, fear not. Ensign is now running a gas subsidy program. The app makes it easy for investors to pull together on strategies, lowering costs. The Enzyme interface allows anyone to trade, lend, deposit to AMM pools, farm, stake, and more. It is a non-custodial solution and allows for real-time reporting, security, and transparency. Sign up today on Enzyme.finance. The new Kraken app is one of the best places to invest in some of the most popular DeFi assets like Uniswap, Aave, Polkadot tokens, and more. Just download the app and get started in minutes. Plus, you can earn additional rewards through Kraken's industry-leading staking product. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% annually on some of your favorite cryptos. Sign up today at kraken.com defiant or type Kraken in the App Store to learn more. I'll continue to interview all the major founders and influencers in this emerging space. When DeFi eats the world, you can say you heard them here first. Tune in next week.